When I originally recorded this sermon on the Lord's Day, I did not include the reading of the text. I actually hit record after I read the text. But I want to make sure that you know exactly what the Word of God says. So here is Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, the Word of God says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawn near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost, until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked them about these things. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed you. Yet you never give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his, when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And this is the word of God. Let us once again go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, may your people hear your word today. 
I am but a man. You are a holy God. I am a sinner, saved by grace. But your word is perfect. May it be proclaimed here today. Get me out of the way so that you may be seen and heard. Use this imperfect man to proclaim your perfect holy word. Holy Spirit, may our ears, our eyes, our minds, and our hearts be open to know what it is you want to say. Holy Spirit, call the sheep of the Good Shepherd home. Convict us of any sin keeping us from Christ. Comfort souls who are in torment and not confident that the Father has run to them and embraced them and gives them forgiveness. I pray all in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The title of this sermon today is The Relentless Love of God for His Children. So there were two students that this great teacher had in class. One of them picked up everything that was taught, learned with ease. When questions were asked, this student in class raised their hand and gave all the right answers. The student passed every test with an A+. The others, there was another student, however, that struggled to understand just about everything that was being taught. He couldn't get anything right, couldn't understand, so the teacher decided to spend more time with that student that needed help. But the good student didn't understand why. He wanted all of the teacher's attention to himself. He had all the answers right, so he grumbled. Why does that kid get all the attention of the teacher? I'm the smart one. Shouldn't the teacher spend more time with me? That kid isn't even trying. He goofs off in class, doesn't know anything. I should get all the teacher's attention. The teacher found out what was being said, and the, the teacher went to the student and said, you know all the answers. You understand the teaching. Shouldn't I spend more time with the person who needs help? Have you experienced this kind of feeling that the good student had? Maybe it wasn't in the classroom, but maybe in your family, or at work, or at school, or, or in church maybe. Maybe you felt a little jealous over somebody else getting a little more attention than you were. It could be the attention of a parent, the attention of a minister, a friend, or someone else. Maybe you felt that the other person didn't deserve the attention that they were getting. Or even worse, maybe, maybe you see someone out somewhere and you think, oh, I, I, I can't share the gospel with that person. Or even how many of us experience this when maybe we see, I hope not, but maybe we see somebody come into church and be like, what's that person doing here? Maybe you haven't had this experience, and praise God for that, but I know some people have, and maybe, maybe some of us in here have had that experience. But maybe you happen to be the struggling student, the one that, that didn't get all the right answers, the one that goofed off. Yet one day the teacher gave you extra attention. They spent their free time taking you under their wing and teaching you. And now, because of that, you are forever, forever grateful. And you no longer goofed around in class, but you paid attention. In our text today, we have two groups of people. And they both are gathering around Jesus. We have the Pharisees and the scribes, who are the religious leaders of the time. They are the ones who spent most time in the word of God, and many would come to them to get the word from them. And they, they are often depicted in the scriptures and the gospels as, as being bragging about what they know and how they behave. We also have the sinners and the tax collectors. Basically, these were the people who, who were uh, not seen as pure. 
the tax collectors worked for the Roman government. They collected taxes from the Jews. And other sinners could have been possibly prostitutes or anybody that was seen as unclean by the standards of the Pharisees and the scribes. They were not seen as worthy to be in their presence, in the presence of the Pharisees and the scribes. So they would wonder why this holy man, Jesus, who's walking around proclaiming he's the Son of God, why is this Son of God, so-called, hanging out with these sinful people? The Pharisees and scribes were very upset that they weren't getting the attention. And this is what leads Jesus to telling these three parables that we have today. As we go through these parables, my hope and prayer is that we will see how beautiful the grace of God is in sending his son to seek and save the lost. Jesus relentlessly seeks and finds those who are his. When he finds his lost children, there is celebration, celebration in heaven. No one is out of the reach of the relentless love of Jesus Christ. Also, let's be mindful that our hearts can sometimes be pharisaical and that God's grace is beautiful and sufficiently and sufficient enough to change even the pharisaical hard heart. So let's dig into this text. Verses 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus not only received sinners, not only did he welcome sinners in, but he also ate with them. It is one thing to have a conversation with a person. It is one thing to be nice to somebody, but it is a completely different thing to actually eat with someone. Now, some will have dinner with their family. Some have meals with their friends. You maybe have meals together in church, a fellowship meal. It's a very personal time, a very intimate time. And here we see Jesus dining, having this personal, personal time with sinners, and he is criticized because he is willing to be that close to a sinner. The Pharisees and the scribes may be thinking, this can't be the Messiah. This can't be the Holy One who was to deliver God's people. He eats with sinners. He hangs out with the lowest of the low. We would never do that. We, we wouldn't defile ourselves. Why does this Jesus, this Messiah, spend time with sinners? This attitude of self-righteousness often kept the Pharisee and the scribes from completely following Jesus. And although they kept coming around when he was teaching, they still stayed at a distance because they weren't sure why this man would spend time with sinners. But why did Jesus do such a thing? Why associate with lowly? And he goes on to explain in the rest of this chapter. Verse 3. He told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus tells of the shepherd, leaving 99 to go after the one. There's a, a popular Christian song that's been out for a few years now, and the singer sings of the reckless love of God. Now, this song paints a picture of 
And it uses this parable of that kind of love leaving the 99 to go after the one to be reckless. But if we look at this text, is that what Jesus says? In, in, in explaining, he says this, what man of you? He asks this question, what man among you would not leave the 99 to go after the one sheep that has wandered off? What man would not search until he finds his lost sheep? What man would not do the responsible thing and relentlessly pursue his sheep? So in this first parable, Jesus is telling those listening, the scribes, the Pharisees, the tax collectors, and sinners all, that he is looking for his sheep. Jesus is responsibly pursuing those who have wandered off from the flock. He does not stop until he founds and finds what was lost and who has been lost. He does not stop until he finds you, dear one. You are a Christian and have trusted the shepherd. The shepherd has found you. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he has found you. And this is one of the most comforting pictures right here as he goes on in this parable. What does the shepherd do when he finds the sheep? He picks it up and he puts it on his shoulders. He carries it home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors and celebrates. He has found what was his. He has found what was lost. Jesus has found you, brothers and sisters. He has picked you up. He has placed you on, your shoulders, on his shoulders and he has carried you home. You were wandering away and now you have been brought home. You have repented and trusted in Jesus Christ for your forgiveness. What joy in heaven is there? What joy do your brothers and sisters on earth have knowing that Christ has came and brought you home? He has died for you. But what of the 99 that were still there? The shepherds spoken of here, and Jesus the good shepherd, was not recklessly leaving the 99. He is still here in this passage talking to the 99. He could just ignore their grumbling, but here he explains to them what he must do. He continually explains why he is with sinners. And even earlier in, the, in this book of Luke, we read this in Luke 5, 31 to 32. When they were grumbling, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we see that was earlier in this chapter, but Jesus continues to be patient with those who are questioning him. Brothers and sisters, let us be careful not to grumble. Let us be careful not to be upset if a new person comes to Christ, comes to church, who doesn't look how we think they should look, who, who doesn't at first act like we think they should act. Let us be patient as Christ is. And here's the second parable, starting in verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, Jesus here is pointing out what the responsible person would do. The woman loses one of ten coins. The coin is a drachma, which is about a day's wage. It is a very good value, but she still had nine other coins. Why would she be so diligent in seeking out this lost coin? Why does she light a lamp and sweep everywhere until she finds it? My, uh, my oldest daughter, when she was young, I don't know why I get emotional talking about my daughter, but uh, she had this... Uh, stuffed animal 
horsey, and she would take this thing everywhere with her. She had tons of other stuffed animals that she had, but this one she particularly wanted. And one time she left it at her aunt's house. We got home, and, and she was upset about it, but she had other stuffed animals. You know, she could have snuggled with Bear Bear if she wanted to, but she wanted horsey. So, of course, I went back and went to the aunt's house and got horsey for her. But, see, the point is that she had others, but she wanted that one. Jesus here is telling the Pharisees and the scribes and the tax collectors and the sinners that he wants that lost coin. He will light a lamp, the lamp of the gospel, the lamp of himself to seek and pursue that precious lost coin. The woman here in this parable is said to search diligently. She's seeking this coin carefully as she sweeps the house. Jesus here may be describing again the pursuit of his lost children. He's lighting a lamp of the gospel. He is sweeping the house of Israel and diligently, relentlessly seeking who has been lost. The coin has much value to this woman, even though she still has nine other valuable coins. The lost sinner is just as valuable to Jesus as the others who are already in the house of Israel. Before I say more about this parable, let's notice that the, the lost sheep was picked up, right? It wasn't wooed back to the flock. It was picked up. The coin here can do nothing of its own to come back to the woman. It had to be picked up after it is found. We are found, and we can do nothing to come back. We must be picked up. We must be born from above. We must be born again. And when the coin is found, much like the shepherd, the woman calls all her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Brothers and sisters, I'm not sure we fully realize the celebration that occurs in heaven when we come to the Lord. But if we meditate on that, on the joy that heaven has when one sinner, one sinner repents, would that drive our evangelism even more? Would we share the gospel even more? Knowing that heaven celebrates just for one sinner, one lowly sinner, and heaven celebrates. So we have a parable of an animal, the lost sheep, and we have the parable of the object of value. Both were, were the owners. And when they, when they are found, there is a celebration. Now the last parable, we have a story of a father with two sons. And now Jesus is using a human example. He's painting a true picture, a true-to-life picture of using real image of what he is truly doing in pursuit of his lost children. Verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So right away, Jesus is making this younger son out to be a sinner. He has committed a great sin. He's asking the father for his inheritance. And when do you usually get an inheritance? When someone dies. So basically the father is saying, Father, I wish you were dead so I can have everything that is coming to me. This would have been so embarrassing to, to the family. There would be shame from the community on this family for this son doing this. And this was also the younger son, not the older son, who would get the inheritance first. But Jesus in this parable says the father divided up his property between the two sons. He did what the younger son asked. And what does the younger son do next? Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. 
and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was, a long, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Jesus continues to tell of this son and to make him into an even worse sinner. The son completely ups and leaves his family. He goes into a far country. This country was far from home. This country was far from his father. This country was far from God. And now the real recklessness of this story comes where he squanders all of his property and he spends all that he received that his father gave him. It is all gone. And when you think the story can't get any worse, Jesus goes on to say, that a famine comes and he is in need and he has no family and no friends to help him. No one that knows him is in this far country. He is far from his father. Again, he is far from God. And he hires himself out to a foreigner, a sinner, a citizen from that country. And many commentators have said this citizen could represent Satan himself. Now Jesus makes him even worse. What does this employer ask him to do? He has him feed the pigs. And pigs in the Jewish culture, very unclean animals. They would not get near the pigs. But now these pigs are the responsibility of the younger son. And it got so bad that this son wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Jesus here could be describing any one of us. When we sin against God, it is like we are going into a far country. We are going far from God, God our Father. And this is especially true of a sinner who is lost and without Christ at all. Sinners will take the inheritance of the one who made them and go into a far country. Often they attach themselves to the citizen of that country, often attaching themselves to Satan himself. Is this you right now? Are you in a foreign country? Have you squandered all that God has given you? Are you so deep in your sin that you long to eat what the pigs are eating? Will, you, will no one give you anything? Do you think there is no one to help you? Don't stay there. Don't stay away. Take what you were given right here as we continue to preach. Listen to the rest of this parable and let what the Father does to seek his through Christ come into your hearts. Verse 7 says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of the Father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. The younger son came to himself. He became aware of a situation and came into a sane mind. He remembered how his father's servants were treated. They were given an abundance of food. They were provided for. The father was rich in generosity even to his servants, yet the son was perishing away from the father. So he decided to go home, not as a son, but as a servant, unworthy to be called a son. But what happens next? Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son heads back to his father. The father sees him coming. Not when he was right next to the house, but while he was still a long way off. And this language gives the image that the son was nowhere near the home yet. But the father sees his son a long way off and runs to him. But he, he doesn't wait for him to get home. He doesn't start walking. The father runs to him. The father had so many reasons to just ignore this son, 
but he ran to him. And that also, an older man running in that culture was, was breaking cultural um, stigmas at the time. The older men did not run. It was not socially acceptable. But he runs to the son and feels compassion on him. He is moved at the sight of his son coming home. He is moved with compassion deep inside. I've seen many videos, and maybe you have too, of military people coming home from a long way away. And it's, uh, you know, can bring tears to your eyes. That these, sometimes they'll surprise maybe their parents, or if they have children, they'll surprise their children by coming home. And they haven't seen them in so long. And here we have a son who did everything he could to leave on bad terms and completely destroy the relationship with his father. But this father runs and embraces the son and he kisses him. No word was spoken yet by the son. There's no apology, but the father doesn't care. And the King James Version says he fell on his neck. This is a passionate display of love for the son. And the father hasn't even heard the apology. What a beautiful display of love, of mercy, and of grace. Then the son finally speaks. Verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us celebrate and eat. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. This son tells the father of his sin against heaven and against him, but before he is asked to be treated as a servant, the father gives orders to the servants, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet. And this son was probably coming to him as a mess. He'd been spending time with, time with pigs. I'm sure he was tattered from the far country. But the father wants him covered in the father's clothes. Then the father tells the servants to bring the fatted calf, the calf that was saved for great occasions, the calf that was saved for special guests. This was to be killed and eaten for celebration of the return of the son, the son who squandered all the inheritance of the father and gave him every reason to not love him anymore. He basically told the father, give me all that I have, I wish you were dead. But the father did not do that. He gave him all he had, but then he comes home and he loves him. Why? Verse 24, the father explains. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The younger son was right. He's not worthy to be called his son. Brothers and sisters, we are not worthy to be called sons and daughters of God. We were dead and lost, just like the younger son. We were in the far off country. We were squandering all that was given to us. But by the light of the gospel, we realized that when we were in the pig pen and our sin was upon us, we needed to go back to the Father. And when we were still a long way off, Jesus Christ ran to us. He picks us up. He puts us on his shoulders. He covers us with his robe of righteousness. He kills the fatted calf and celebrates. You were dead and alive again. You are lost and are now found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. But there was another son, son we often forget about. The older son, the son that didn't leave the father, the son that didn't verbally wish his father was dead. 
How does this son, this brother, react? Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what, are these, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he was received back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, you, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that, I, that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. This, your brother was dead and is alive, was lost and is found. The older son's not happy. When he hears the commotion and the party going on, and he finds out it's for his younger brother, he does not want to join the celebration. He stays outside. Yet, the father goes out to him. The father does not stay in the party, but he comes out and he entreats this older son. The word entreat implies that the father earnestly and anxiously asking the son to join them. But the older son was still very upset. I've been here all this time. I've never disobeyed you. Um, th this son of yours wastes all that you've given him, and he comes back, and you celebrate. And again, this father explains. Verse 31, and he said to, to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this son, this brother of, this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he is found. The shepherd had a hundred sheep, lost one. He left the 99 and relentlessly went after the one until he found it. The woman had 10 coins and lost one. She lit a lamp, swept the house, and relentlessly looked for that coin until she found it. The father has two sons. One took his inheritance, ran off into a far country where he was lost and dead to the father. But when his father saw him a long way off, he relentlessly ran to him and compassionately embraced him, welcoming him home to welcoming home the son who was lost. The sheep was the shepherd's. The coin belonged to the woman. The son was the father's. You can't lose something that wasn't already yours. Both sons belong to the father. Here Jesus explains through these parables the love God has for his children, not just for those obvious sinners, but also for the 99 sheep, for the nine coins, for the older son who stayed. Jesus continues to hold out the gospel truth to the Pharisee and the scribes. He entreats them, come into the party. His grace continues to be extended today. Maybe someone here is like the older son. Maybe you've grown up in church all your life and you've always been here. Maybe you've gone off, you've never gone off into a far country and squandered the riches of God. But maybe, just maybe, you still truly aren't converted. Maybe you're just trusting in somebody else's faith to save you. The Father is entreating you now. Come to him. Come to the Father. Come to the party. Toin, turn from the sin of self-righteousness and trust the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is only in the perfect salvation that Christ provides through his atoning work that you can be saved. Maybe you're like the younger son and still in a far country. Come to yourself. See your sin. Come to him in humility. He will, still, he, will, he will see you still a far way off, and he will run to you. 
Jesus came to seek and save the lost. There are truly no other kind of people. Jesus has come from far to seek and save his lost children. And he suffered more humiliation than the Father in this parable. Jesus, very God of very God, took on flesh, lived among us. He lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death, suffering the pains of hell on the cross. He did this for you. He did this to seek and save those who are his. Jesus came for more than just lost sheep. He came for more than just a lost coin. He came to seek and save you. Now, I have this illustration. It wasn't my illustration, but I love this illustration. I think it's because I remember when this happened. I was seven, seven years old, six years old, but I don't know if you remember baby Jessica. Baby Jessica fell into a well when it was 22 feet down, and it was all over the news. It was like, I don't know, maybe it's because I was young, and I just remember, remember this vividly, and it was on for weeks. Well, not weeks, but as long as this happened. Uh, but she was in this well deep down for 58 hours. And this was October 14th, 1987. On October 16th, they got her out. Workers had to drill down next to her. She couldn't come up to them. They had to go down and get her. Rescuers were relentlessly seeking a way to go down and get her. And though this was a very dangerous task for them to do, but they finally reached her and brought her back up. She was saved, and she's alive today. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came down to save us. He was relentless in his coming to us. He went all the way of suffering hell on the cross. And now you are covered in his robe of righteousness. You are not worthy to be called a son or a daughter, but he calls for the ring and puts the ring on your hand. He calls for the feast because you were lost and you are now found. And for you who have been in the house of God the whole time, what is his is yours. Take off the robe of self-righteousness and go into his closet and put on the robe of righteousness. He has one that fits you. One more quick illustration, and then we'll close in prayer and sing a hymn. When I get home from work sometimes, or just randomly standing around, my younger son, who will be three next month, runs over to me. And he grabs me. He says, I got you. <laughs> That's what God in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has done. If you're a believer, he has ran over to you. He grabs you. And he says, I got you. And my son lets go. But God never, ever will let you go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for our salvation. We can't thank you enough that we were lost. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Yet you leave the 99 to come after the one. You search for that one lost coin. Not that those other coins and those other sheep aren't precious to you, but you come to seek and save lost sinners, bringing us to repentance, bringing us to faith, Lord, increase our faith. May we love you more today. May we share this precious gospel. May we help you and have the honor and privilege to, to, to seek and save with you those who are lost. Give us the words to say to them. May this not just be words that we, we come here on a Sunday to hear on your day, but may they affect us. May they change us. May our hearts be changed. May we love you more so we can love others more and seek and save those who are lost. It is so sweet to be saved by you, Lord. 
you carry this home, you put your robe on us, and you have a feast. We look forward to that great feast when one day you do return. But until that time comes, Lord, may we continue to seek you, knowing that you have already sought us, and we are yours today and forevermore. We thank you. I pray everything in that saving, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.